G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Let's turn our attention to the ways that Christians are being treated in forceful changes to law around gender and sexuality. The WA Law Reform Commission is being criticised for trampling on fundamental religious freedom in their final report following their review of the Equal Opportunity Act 1984 in Western Australia. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights recognises the equal and inalienable rights of all, yet the Commission claims support for their recommendations on the basis of a shift in community expectations. Mark Spencer is Director of Public Policy for Christian Schools Australia. Mark's back with us. Mark, welcome to 2020. Thanks, Neil. I'd love to be with you, but in some ways I wish I didn't need to be so often. Yes. Hey, Mark, you're saying the Law Reform Commission in WA is trampling on religious freedom. Unfortunately, it is, and this is uh, really disappointing from a, a law reform commission. I mean, they, they are bodies that are you know, established to provide advice to government. They're meant to be providing expert advice based on, on, on the law, legal principles, and uh, our obligations under international human rights law. And in this case, they seem to be more concerned about the cultural zeitgeist and the, and the shift in community expectations, as you said, rather than what the law, what international law actually says. So you're thinking here that they're picking and choosing the rights that they want to protect and leaving others aside. That seems to be uh, what they're they're doing. They certainly, in their final report, didn't really engage in uh, with many of the concerns of faith groups. Um, you know, they're, they're far more interested in quoting and uh, following the, uh, the the approaches recommended by uh, activist legal groups and activists uh, uh, in the LGBTI space rather than looking at you know, some very moderate, very sensible suggestions from ourselves and other faith groups. I imagine what ought to be concerning for listeners today uh, is what other rights might be removed in the future if they continue to adopt that sort of approach. Absolutely. I mean, these are meant to be fundamental and inalienable rights. They're meant to be rights that are you know, enduring Rights that that uh, they're not absolute rights in, by by any means under international law, but they are non-derogable rights. Rights that can only be taken away under very limited circumstances. Rights that that all people have, you know, rights which actually grew out of a fundamentally Judeo-Christian view of human dignity and and the worth of every individual person, and and that's what's been challenged here. When there's a lack of black and white, uh, this is what the law says or what our rights might be under these international obligations, uh, shifting community expectations, that could spell disaster for not only Christian groups but a whole lot of vulnerable groups in the future. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll always be accused of mounting some slippery slope argument. But, uh, you know, we've seen over the course of history, there, there are lots of slippery slopes that have been, uh, you know, throughout the course of history. Uh, if we're building our house on sand, there's problems. Um, scripture tells us that. You need to build your house on solid foundation. And we need to make sure our human rights are on those solid foundations that don't change, that aren't really at the whim of public opinion. That's a very poor way of protecting minority groups. Uh, and and it's been, that's been clearly established through the course of history. Mark, there's a lot of legal jargon in some of the uh, ways that uh, these uh, international obligations are framed. How do you frame the sorts of things that the expert panel on religious freedom uh, has recommended in their report? Yeah, so I mean, quite simply, back in, in 2018, in its uh, report, uh, the expert panel on religious freedom, the, the, the panel that uh, Philip Ruddock chaired, it was uh, made up of, uh, of uh, a panel of true experts uh, in, in law and international law, some of whom I, I know have been on your program previously. Um, they made recommendations uh, to the Commonwealth government particularly, but also to state and territory governments, that when they're looking at discrimination law, that they have regard to a range of international uh, principles, a range of provisions in, in the international covenants on, on which we're party to, and make sure that you know, the domestic state and territory-based law recognises that you know, human rights are indivisible, that there needs to be a balancing of and a recognition and a protection for all rights, that discrimination rights Equality rights aren't elevated as some super right above all others. Um, equality, any discrimination, is one of a basket of rights. We don't get to pick and choose which ones we actually want to protect and we'll ignore others. Your opinion here, Mark, is Australia, and I guess in the case that we're talking about today, more specifically WA, are we falling well short of our international obligations? Uh, if the WA government uh, acts uh, on these proposals, it certainly will be. And that's where our hope is that, I mean, the WA Labor and their policy platform talk about uh, having their you know, respect for religious freedom, respect for those international uh, obligations. And we're hoping that, that the WA government, that the Premier Mark McGowan and the Attorney General will actually not simply in, uh, rubber stamp these uh, Law Reform Commission proposals, but look at what the obligations are, look at what the people of faith in WA need, what the hundreds of thousands of people who are coming to our schools across the country need, uh, they need to be able to pick schools that share their, their beliefs, educate their children in accordance with their values. Um, fundamental rights and principles we need to be protected. We might be asking who the governments are listening to. You mentioned a, a group of activist legal academics that have the ear of the government. That is concerning, isn't it? Yes, when you've got a small, I think there's about 20 named people on their website and a very small a group of self-professed experts um, on anti-discrimination law um, who are academics who, who look at this and come from a very particular point of view, particular perspective. Uh, now, now that's certainly one perspective in, in academia, but there are other perspectives out there as well, and they're simply being ignored and not being given due consideration. So what does the report say about the concerns of faith groups? Because it appears that one side's being listened to and the other side's being ignored. 
uh, Christians not being listened to. That certainly seems to be the case. And you know, in the discussion paper, they recognised a, a range of positions, including uh, a range of proposals that, that we put. But in the final report of nearly 300 pages, they simply don't engage in any substantive way with those uh, positions, with the arguments we put. Uh, they, they summarise some of the material that's put before them and then come to conclusions. There's no no understanding or there's no way of, of knowing the logic that seemed to um, have gotten them to their, their conclusions. They just drop these conclusions in there. Now, we put um, uh, and, you know, some detailed drafting to them. We put some very uh, sensible and well-considered proposals. But what they've come up with is a, is a set of recommendations which uh, very much mirrors the, the approach being taken in Victoria the approach that the you know, House of Representatives back in February found so egregious that they voted 91 to 6 uh, by adopting the Religious Discrimination Bill to overturn those proposals. So we're talking about very controversial pro- proposals in Victoria that uh, everyone knows are, are well towards the extreme of, of the law in this area that the Law Reform Commission is proposing that the WA government just simply adopt. So what happens in extreme policy development in Victoria flows through to Western Australia. Then we've seen these sorts of things before flow then through to Queensland and other states and territories. So it's like a domino effect that happens when you've got some extreme laws that come out of Victoria. And that's certainly the case. And we are currently waiting, as as you and your listeners would know, for the report from the um Queensland Human Rights Commission's review of the Discrimination Act up there. That's currently with the Queensland Attorney General and we're waiting for that to be released. So we might be having another conversation soon, Neil, about uh, those proposals and uh, what they're proposing for the uh, Queensland legislation. Mark, in the meantime, uh, for those parents listening to our conversation today being concerned about what's happening with Christian schooling and what governments might well be trampling or being very heavy-handed about uh, so far as the way the policies outwork, uh, there's a continued growth in Christian schools. That's a, that's a good story, isn't it? Absolutely, it's continued growth. We're, we're running out of space but we'd, uh, and we've got waiting lists in most of our schools, but uh, you know, we, we uh, have lots of parents wanting the education we provide, the values we provide, underpinned by the beliefs we have. And we simply can't do that if governments keep strangling uh, Christian schools, making sure, you know, you know, we're all talking about the teacher shortages at the moment, but these provisions just impose an incredibly heavy workload on schools to do all the paperwork, to meet all the compliance requirements, simply to ensure they can employ the staff they need to employ. And is there room for, from the Christian schools side of things, for a easy-as-you-go or a more heavy-handed demand approach when working with governments? Any thoughts here? Look, we always take the approach that we'd like to work constructively with governments uh, from all sides of politics to, to come up with sensible and balanced uh, reforms and recommendations. And that's what we, we you know, did with the Law Reform Commission. We, we made sensible and we thought quite moderate um, proposals, reflecting the, the sort of recommendations that were in the expert panel's uh, review report. Um, now they are supported, the proposals we make by international law. They're reflecting that the rights of parents to have those choices around education. And they're simply reflecting what is common sense and you know, a fair go all around, the classic Australian fair go. 
But, uh, you know, we've been opposed by groups who simply won't compromise. And, well, and unfortunately, they've got the, the year of governance, or at least the law reform commission, it seems. No doubt there'll be listeners looking for more detail on the things we're talking about today. I'll point listeners to the website for Christian Schools Australia, csa.edu.au. CSA stands for Christian Schools Australia, csa.edu.au. Mark Spencer is Director of Public Policy for Christian Schools Australia. Mark, thanks so much for an update today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.